Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, and today we're going to be breaking down some of the greatest fantasy performances of all time. And make sure to keep an eye out as the next video, me and Rob are going to be breaking down our 2020 breakout players and some of the players that you need to be targeting. Um, we've been missing some videos lately, haven't been posting too many, simply due to the fact that life has been absolutely crazy and we've been doing a lot of prep work on the website and such, but now we're finally ready to get into um, and start getting prepped for the 2020 fantasy season, so I'm really excited to, to do some more things like that. We've also got the Super Bowl coming up. I think this is going to be one of the most interesting Super Bowls of all time. In fact, uh, I go back and think about, uh, say, the Broncos when they had Peyton Manning in his record-setting season versus the Legion of Boom. That was a really interesting Super Bowl heading into it with a lot of speculation. This, to me, feels very similar, uh, so I'm very excited to watch it and see maybe this time around the offense takes the victory. But um, anyways, let's not waste too much time. Let's get into it. But I do want to hear from you guys uh, on your predictions for the Super Bowl. And of course, make sure to check us out on Instagram. I'll be doing a lot more discussion on the Super Bowl there. Uh, but let's not waste any more time. Let's just get into it and start talking about some of these guys. It is important to note uh, that this video is not going to be talking about players, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. I actually decided to stick with just performances in the last decade. There's a few reasons for that. One, um, these are the best fantasy performances of all time, not just simply the best performances of all time. So, you know, if you had a 10 touchdown day back in the 1930s, that was great, but no fantasy owners had you. Fantasy wasn't really a thing back then, so we wanted to limit it. Also, just simply because it's a bit more irrelevant, it's always nice to say, hey, that running back had a monster day. He scored 45 fantasy points, and my running backs can still do that. Uh, but anyways, you guys get the point. Let's get into it. All right, guys, so our first fantasy performance we're going to be talking about has got to go to Drew Brees. He's going to take us back to 2015 and not just a great fantasy performance, but an all-around great fantasy game. We're going to talk a little bit more about the other team and Eli Manning, who had his own stud performance. Uh, but let's start with Brees. He scored 44.3 fantasy points, went over 500 passing yards and seven touchdowns. He was absolutely insane. I believe this came in week eight of the season. And quite honestly, he started off pretty slow before that. I believe he had uh, eight touchdowns and just the first six games but of course in this game he absolutely explodes against a very bad defense and he does it in a very consistent way a very hall of fame sort of way where he's actually connecting and completing passes to 10 different receivers and Five of those guys had touchdowns. Colston, Cooks, Watson, Sneed, and Spiller. Four different guys went over 70 receiving yards. It was an absolutely crazy day for him. But that's not what I want to spend too much time talking about because another guy had a great fantasy performance in this game. Unfortunately, it ended in a loss for them, and that was Eli Manning of the Giants. Crazy thing about this game is the final score was 52-49. to A last-minute field goal won it for the Saints, and poor Eli Manning became one of just four quarterbacks to ever throw six touchdown passes and still lose a game it was unbelievable he finished with 350 passing yards six touchdowns he threw three of those touchdowns to Odell Beckham Jr. and he himself scored 38 fantasy points so it was quite the game furthermore that last second field goal was a 50 yarder just all and all what an amazing game and while we're talking about these guys first of all Eli Manning just retired and we can say what we want about him he probably should have retired and I don't think he's necessarily a great quarterback but he certainly had his great moments certainly in the playoffs especially against the Patriots and honestly he had some really good fantasy games uh, certainly wasn't quite consistent enough and ultimately he definitely did need to retire but we have to give him some credit where it is due the question for you guys being is Eli Manning is he going to be a Hall of Famer I don't know if I could put him in that category but um, I certainly know that some of you will 
All right, guys, it's time to take a look back at Vintage Bell Cow and talk about the 2016 season and a dominant performance in Week 14 from Le'Veon Bell. In this game, he went off, absolutely went off, 47.8 fantasy points. And that sounds like a lot of points, but it makes perfect sense for a guy who had 236 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, as well as three catches for 62 receiving yards. That means he totaled 298 total yards. He was just all in all absolutely insane. Some of the most interesting parts of this game, though, was this was an absolute snowy game. It was one of those, quote, snow globe games where they're playing against the Bills. It was absolutely terrible weather out, and he really took advantage of that. He had extra volume in touches, and sure enough, it equated to extra volume in fantasy points, and you were pretty darn happy if you started him. But what I want to talk about right now... It's his season as a whole. This was a great game, but I would argue that his season as a whole was better than this game individually. When we take a look at it, he finished the year with 1,884 total yards. That's amazing. That's really good. Um, but he did that in 12 games. Um, that's absolutely insane. So in that game, he was averaging 157 yards from scrimmage per game. 157. This last year, Christian McCaffrey was averaging just 152. That's still very good, so I shouldn't say just averaging. Of course, Christian McCaffrey just had a phenomenal 2019 season, um, but Bell was actually on pace to do even better. And again, that tells you just how dominant he has been or how he was in that game. Just 12 games, completely dominant. Um, and it does go to show, man, what an offensive line and a system can do to help or to hurt you. Um, Bet you right now Le'Veon Bell is wishing he was still playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Certainly he is missing that offensive line and that zone scheme that helped him out so much. So why not, guys? Let's do it. Let's talk about Le'Veon Bell's former teammate, Ben Roethlisberger, who has had his own absolutely dominant performances. Uh, we're going to go back to week seven of the 2014 season, which he scored 44.8 fantasy points off of six touchdowns and 522 yards. It was an absolutely crazy game um, against Andrew Luck and the Colts, where actually they combined for 922 passing yards. It was an absolutely crazy game. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier when we talked about the Eli Manning-Drew Brees game, in which, hey, if you want your quarterback to have a big fantasy day, you better bet that the other offense is going to put up some points and that other quarterback is also going to have a big fantasy day. So, of course, matchup is really playing a role into it. We know these guys are great football players, but what else is going to help them and push them up to have these stud games? Even more interesting, and I think this is one of the craziest facts of this video, a week later, Ben Roethlisberger follows this up with another six-touchdown pass game. Back-to-back, -back, actually, I believe that is the only time anyone has ever done that. I could certainly be mistaken, but wow, 12 touchdowns in just two games, that's insane. I think it's time to talk about Derrick Henry. Not only did he have a stud game, but this guy as a whole deserves credit. He was vastly underrated. So we go back to just last year, just 2018, week 14. He has 238 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Here's what's really interesting. One, a lot of people have always doubted him because he's not known as a guy who can do much in the passing game. We know that. We don't just think that. That's pretty much a fact. In fact, in this game, I don't know how he does it. 47.8 fantasy points he scores. He does it with zero targets. He's actually the only running back on this list to get this many fantasy points without a single target. That's absolutely crazy. But here's what's interesting. If you guys remember, let's go back to 2018. A lot of people didn't think they thought he was a bust. A lot of people were worried about him. And in fact, 11,000 Yahoo fantasy players dropped him the week before this performance. 
He was rostered in just 57% of leagues and was started in less than a fifth of leagues, 18% of leagues he was started in, and he managed to score just shy of 50 fantasy points. A lot of people were certainly kicking themselves after that game. It was quite a mistake to make, and of course, we know now Derrick Henry is an absolute stud, and he was the farthest thing from a bust. Yeah, he's a little bit one-dimensional, but when you are the Adrian Peterson type runner who it doesn't matter if you know he's going to run, he's just going to run you over. Well, I tell you what, that's working for him, and I don't see it changing anytime soon with the sort of revitalization that we've seen with this Titans offense, but good for him. What a dominant performance. All right, let's talk about Nick Foles. We're going to go back to the 2013 season when he had this absolutely crazy sort of record-setting seven touchdown passes on 406 yards. It was an absolutely crazy game in which he scored 45.2 fantasy points. Um, but for me, what's really interesting, because I think actually I was doing some research for this and I asked my brother-in-law, hey, what are some of the best performances of all time? Who scored them? And he actually guessed it right off the bat. Nick Foles was one of them. And I kind of knew this heading into it. I think a lot of people remember this game. It was a crazy game. Why do we remember it? Well, we remember it because the week before, or heading into the week, I should say, no one was expecting anything from him. We go the week before, he was playing against a bad, and I mean a very bad Dallas defense. The Dallas defense is much improved now at the time it was awful especially in the passing game and so this was a game the week before he was supposed to do well but he goes 11 for 29 80 yards and zero touchdowns so sure enough you go into the next week and who's really expecting anything from this guy he just had a great matchup and couldn't get the job done then all of a sudden he explodes and it's just so hard to measure this guy and again it's very confusing he has this great time in Philadelphia replaces Carson Wentz wins a Super Bowl comes to Jacksonville complete bust complete disappointment what do you do with this guy it's so confusing but one more thing I want to say about this that I think is really interesting is let's just go back to the guys that he had this is like starting to feel weird again this is what seven years ago now but he's like riley cooper deshaun jackson this was zach Ertz's rookie year they also had lashawn mccoy and brent Selleck. i mean that's how long ago this game was it doesn't feel like that long ago but it certainly was and again really interesting career from nick Foles. i want to hear from you guys like what is up with this guy? He has this crazy season of what, I believe it was 2013. I believe that was the year where he had this really good year, very low touchdown, or excuse me, very low, very high touchdown interception ratio, but no teams are taking chances on him and he doesn't get the starting job. And we're seeing now that's probably, of course, looking like the right choice. But I always wonder what are coaches and general managers and what are teams seeing that I'm not seeing? Um, and that's one of those situations that always makes me sit back and just wish that I had more information on these guys. All right, let's talk about the unfortunate one-hit wonder that is Jonas Gray. Absolutely blows up four touchdowns, 201 yards off of an insane 37 carries. He was huge for the Patriots. And of course, that happened back in 2014. So we all know now that that really didn't equate to anything. And it was really mostly a product of his offense and something that absolutely nobody expected to happen. Um, one of the things I got here is a lot of notes and one of the really crazy things, and I want to read this here so I get the numbers correctly, but the week before, uh, the week before the New England Patriots play against the Colts and their main runners are like Garrett Blunt and Steven Ridley. They absolutely go off on a combined 34 carries. They had 218 rushing yards and six touchdowns. They're absolutely insane. They've got their two stud running backs. What team would change up the formula? You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, the Patriots, uh, for some reason, opted to do that. And they give the ball to Jonas Gray, again, 37 times. 
That's absolutely insane. He has a monster day, and then they pretty much go back to not using him again. I know a lot of people know the backstory on everything and why he didn't play much more after that. I'm not too busy or too worried about getting into all that, but that's just crazy. And again, that comes back to that Patriot system of next man up. That's a phrase we hear a lot around the NFL, and they really embody that. Uh, it's just crazy to think you have such a dominant performance with your running backs, and so you switch the next week to one other guy who didn't really get any carries to that point, and then you switch back the next week. It's whatever. Um, but again, I guess that's just the Patriot way, so to speak. All right, guys, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers because we all knew he was going to come up on this list. He has been a really, really, truly great quarterback for a very long time. And he's had some phenomenal seasons. Probably the best season he's ever had is 2011. And we go back to 2011, week four, and we see Aaron Rodgers has a monster day, 408 yards and four touchdowns, but he also gets it done on the ground with 36 rushing yards and he runs two touchdowns in. So that's a combined six touchdowns. He scored 45.9 fantasy points. He was absolutely crazy in this game. As I've said in the past in this video, and I'll say it again, what really stands out to me is not just this game because any player can have a good game. We've seen that. A guy on this list we'll talk about later is Doug Martin. We've already talked about Jonas Gray. You know, one game doesn't mean a whole lot. What does mean a lot is a season, and that's what Aaron Rodgers did well this year. He was absolutely phenomenal. He set a record-setting passer rating of 122.5. He was averaging 309 passing yards a game, so he's averaging over 300 yards a game. That's crazy. He threw 45 touchdown passes, and he led the NFL with 9.2 yards per attempt. This was easily, in my mind, statistically the best season of Rodgers' career, and man, he was absolutely dominant. That week, they went up against Elvis Dumerville playing on defense, and he just said, you know what? Rodgers is off the charts, and we couldn't stop him, and you know what? That was true. That season, I don't think that anyone could stop Aaron Rodgers. He was absolutely phenomenal, um, but I want to hear from you guys my question from you guys is do you think that Rodgers had a better season since 2011 in my mind I'm going to say probably not but again that's why I want to hear from you guys you typically have some really great counter arguments and again we see the Packers this year kind of really shifting their strategy and the way that they're going to run their team I don't necessarily think that Rodgers played any worse he just wasn't used as much and they didn't ask him to do as much um, but it of course worked out quite well for the Packers this year so we go back to 2013 Peyton Manning's record-setting season. He actually opens the year, and he's the only guy on this list to have their game that we're going to be talking about in week one of the season. This was a Thursday game versus the Baltimore Ravens, and this I watched this one at the time. I was much more, uh, much stronger of a Ravens fan than I am now, but uh, it was a crazy interesting game. The funny thing to note is in this game he goes off 462 yards, seven touchdowns, 46.3 fantasy points, all around dominant performance. But again, what really gets to me is that at halftime, they were losing to Baltimore 17 to 14. Seemed like a really low scoring affair. But again, somehow he manages seven touchdowns on the game. And they absolutely take that one over and dominate, which of course leads to this crazy 55 touchdown pass season, in which he also set the record with 5,477 passing yards. More interesting things there for Denver. He opened up the season with six straight games in which they scored 49, 41, 37, 52, 51, and 35 points. That is absolutely dominant. I don't know the last time or if ever 
I've ever seen a quarterback manage that kind of a streak to open the year. It was also one of his first nine games in which he would throw at least four touchdown passes. This was, in my mind, the most dominant passing performance by a quarterback of all time ever, especially when you note guys like uh, Pat Mahomes have had really great years. Pat Mahomes was up there for touchdowns, what, 50 touchdowns or whatever. Um, but he's got his legs. It was really interesting to see just how dominant they were in the passing game. There's no mobility by Peyton Manning that year. It was so funny. He would drop back into the pocket. He wasn't mobile. He wouldn't buy time. He would just make a throw. This is also post-surgery Peyton Manning, which means he honestly didn't have quite the arm that he used to. Before surgery, he had a much stronger arm. All in all, it was just X's and O's. Wide receivers were getting open, and he was smarter than you. And that's what made it so fun to watch is that they were getting out they were out playing other teams certainly defenses that played them wish they had more talent but also it was just the coaches i mean you break that down you watch it it was just every week was a clinic of x's and o's here's how to burn a defense and they did it over and over and over again and i've never been the biggest peyton manning fan but you have to respect what he did that season it was truly phenomenal and it was really really fun to watch Let's go back to 2012 and week nine of the season as Doug Martin puts up a monstrous 51.2 fantasy points. It was insane. 251 rushing yards uh, plus 21 receiving yards. He had four touchdowns. He also had four catches in the air. He was absolutely great. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this more in a minute. So note that he did this against the 2012 Raiders defense. That Raiders defense is going to come up again later on in the video. And in fact, they've already been in this video. I just didn't mention them because they are honestly one of the worst defenses of all time. But what I do want to note, and this is completely unfantasy football or statistic related, um, somebody decided to give him the nickname the Muscle Hamster, which Doug Martin is quoted as saying is the worst nickname of all time. And I completely agree with him. Aren't nicknames usually come from fans? Like you're a fan of the guy, so you start calling him like, I don't know, Beast Mode or Adrian Peterson was all day, or right? You give these guys names of like, talk about how dominant they are. I don't think hamsters really exemplify dominance in my mind. I guess they're really good at sneaking away in heating vents. I don't know. Um, but I just think that's really interesting. And again, this was a part of a really great season that he had as a whole. It's funny to think back in the day, he was one of the best fantasy running backs around and he was a commodity and a stud that people felt like they could rely on. Of course, at least in that season, we would then find in other years, he was very bipolar on and off. And now he's really, you know, if you just joined fantasy in the last year or two, you're probably wondering, wait, this guy was great before he was. And it's just crazy to see what can happen to a career in just a few years. Yeah, I tell you what, it is time to talk about Michael Vick because let's be honest, lists like these are made for quarterbacks like Michael Vick. And you know what? I love Lamar Jackson, but he is the original Lamar Jackson. He paved the way for mobile quarterbacks, uh, and he really did it in this game. So we look at it. His 49 fantasy points came off of 333 yards, four touchdowns in the air, as well as 80 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. So again, it's always really difficult to cover a quarterback when he's able to throw the ball and run the ball. Everybody knows that but I still appreciate it and it's funny as obvious as it sounds and as simple as it sounds it works a quarterback who's able to run the ball is simply so difficult to stop and you just need to have a good defense when there's a quarterback like Michael Vick especially as well as he was playing at that time 
there's really nothing you can do except be a great defense or get destroyed. Um, but the interesting thing to this is that a lot of people speculate he could probably have gone over 60, maybe close to 70 fantasy points in that game because almost all of his fantasy points came in the first half. Um, but they were actually, I believe, playing Washington Redskins that week, and they blew them out so bad that they really stopped using Michael Vick, ran the ball, waste the clock. You guys know the drill. You know how it goes. And... Of course, we'd all love to see an alternate reality in which he gets one of those Saints, uh, excuse me, Saints Giants games I talked about earlier with Drew Brees and Eli Manning, where maybe the other offense is scoring a lot of points too. You know, you certainly begin to wonder what Vic could have done. Um, but either way, still ended up being an absolutely insane performance, which was part of an absolutely insane season. He actually started the season with 16 touchdowns to zero interceptions at that point in the year. So as a whole, he was a great quarterback. He was a lot of fun to watch. And I tell you what, this is what I want to talk about with Michael Vick, because with each guy, I've got the stats and then I've got, you know, just a little thing I want to say. And for Michael Vick, it's that some players are good and some players are fun to watch. And those two don't always go together. Players like Michael Vick were good and fun to watch. Um, and for some reason, some players just aren't as interesting. I love Tom Brady, but he's not nearly as much of a highlight reel as a Pat Mahomes, as a Michael Vick, right? He's had some really dominant performances, but he's very smart and conservative and they plan an offense where they're just going to chip away at you five, six yards here and there. I love it. I respect it. But man, we just talk about pure fun to watch, get people in the stands and have a good time. Michael Vick has got to be the best of all time at doing that. Jamal Charles. Absolutely love this guy. I tell you what, when I did this video and found some research and I found this game for Jamal Charles, I was very excited uh, because back when he played, he was one of my favorite running backs. He's probably one of my favorite running backs of all time. I love watching the guy. He is so he was just so good as a whole. And it's always fun to talk about this guy because I don't get the chance to talk about him anymore. But but let's do it. He scored 51 and a half fantasy points. He was absolutely crazy. But before I say anything else, I want to ask you guys. Uh, your guess below on the stat line that he had because it was really interesting. Earlier in the video, we talked about Derrick Henry, who had zero targets in his game. This is sort of the opposite. He definitely had some carries, don't get me wrong, uh, but he finished with just 20 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. What made his day so dominant was his eight catches going for 195 receiving yards and four touchdowns. That's insane. Um, if you would have told me that a running back would score 51 and a half fantasy points, I would say, okay, wow, that's pretty crazy. It must have been one of the greatest games of all time. What did he have? Five rushing touchdowns? If you would have told me, oh, nope, he actually only has one and he only has 20 rushing yards, I would call you an idiot. I mean, do you really expect that to happen? That's absolutely crazy. Furthermore, this is a game he pulled off in 2013, near the end of the season, I believe, week 15, against, what did I talk about earlier? The Raiders defense. Because, guys, that Raiders defense, the 2012-2013 Raiders defense, has actually come up on this list three or four times as one of the worst defenses of all time, giving up some of the best performances of all time. The reason I'm saying that is I want to talk about a bit of fantasy philosophy here. Um... There's a reason these guys come up here on this list against this defense. That defense was just simply that bad. And as we begin to go look forward and talk about, do you play talent? Um, there's always this phrase I hear a lot, start your studs. I don't like start your studs. I think that's a disaster of a phrase. And if you're following that fantasy-wise, you're probably kicking yourself quite a bit. Um, matchup is so important to the point where matchup is 
almost more important than the player's talent. That's, of course, not entirely true, uh, but when you get talented players, I mean, there are talented wide receivers and running backs all around the NFL. There are. There are tons of them. Some teams have two or three of them, um, right? I mean, we talk about the San Diego Chargers. They got two stud running backs, and they got two stud wideouts, and they still stink, and they still had an awful season. Uh, wide receiver and running back is such an easy position to have talent at. What we Quarterback's a different story, but... Um, so what we talk about there is not do you have a talented wide receiver. I think anybody can go into a fantasy draft or the fantasy waiver wire and get a fast wide out with good hands or whatever. Um, but getting a guy in the right offense, uh, starting a guy in the right matchups, that's what takes a bit more intelligence, takes a little bit more risk. And again, um, some of the stats from this really prove it. It was absolutely crazy to see some of those numbers. And that's what really interests me is this balance between talent and matchup. How do we balance the two as we look forward in fantasy and make our start sit decisions? Now we're, you know, seven or eight months from having to worry about start sit. Uh, but this is just the way that my mind thinks. And you guys probably don't care that much. But that's what I've been thinking a lot about lately. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Super Bowl predictions chiefs versus 49ers certainly going to be a really great game we got one of the best defenses versus one of the best offenses not just this year but really one of the best defenses one of the best offenses that we've seen in the past decade again this reminds me of the peyton manning um, record setting season where he went up against the seattle the legion of boom defense I, again i'd love to see if the chiefs can fare a little bit better than the broncos did in that game but that's it for the video, guys. I thank you so much for your support. You guys have been awesome. You have a great day, and God bless.